This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Shantae Joseph. I'm a writer and broadcaster and I spend way too much time online. But now those years of scrolling are finally paying off because I'm hosting The Guardian's new pop culture podcast. In each episode, I'm going to get under the skin of the week's biggest stories. If you love pop culture and want to get into how it's shaping and impacting our lives, then you should join me every Thursday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Out now. Bye. Since September in England and Wales, at least eight children have now died after contracting a strep A infection. On November 14th, Ibrahim collapsed. He died minutes later in an ambulance en route to hospital. Ibrahim is among a growing list of children in the UK to have died with strep A. This year, the UK is seeing a big jump in the number of cases in comparison to previous years. The UK Health Security Agency says that investigations are underway following reports of an increase in cases. Group A streptococci bacteria usually cause mild illnesses like skin infections, tonsillitis or scarlet fever that can all be treated with antibiotics. But it is highly contagious and in very rare cases it can become a severe invasive infection. So last Friday evening the UK Health Security Agency issued an alert telling parents to seek medical help as soon as possible if they detect signs in their children. The Health Security Agency says the vast majority of cases are relatively mild, but families are being advised to seek immediate medical help if they have concerns. But why are we seeing such a significant rise in cases? What should caregivers be on the lookout for? And could there one day be a vaccine to stop strep A in its tracks? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Chrissy Jones, you're an Associate Professor of Paediatric Infection at the University of Southampton. Now, we've got this really concerning outbreak of strep A, but I wonder how out of the ordinary is this? How many children would you expect to get severely ill or sick from strep A each year? So group A strep is a really common childhood illness and we would see peaks in group A strep infections over the course of the year. I think what's unusual about what we're seeing at the moment is it's a slightly different time of year than we would normally see it and we're seeing a higher number of children with a more severe disease but there will be many children who will have mild disease from this so parents shouldn't panic that all children will have severe disease from this. So what does a strep A infection usually look like? So group A strep can cause mild infections such as tonsillitis, impetigo, which is a skin infection. can also cause scarlet fever, which is a child who normally have a fever, a sore throat and a distinct sandpapery-like rash on the skin. And those children should all have oral antibiotics and be treated not only to prevent more severe illness in themselves, but also to prevent spread within the community. Now, in some children, group A strep can become invasive, so that is get into the bloodstream. So it can cause a sepsis-like picture or even a toxic shock type picture where a child is very, very ill with it. 
what we're seeing at the moment is not only children with an increase in in phase of group A strep, but we're seeing lots of children as well with something called an empyema, which is a particular type of chest infection, which needs prompt antibiotic treatment in hospital. So that's intravenous treatment, but also needs a chest drain. What are the warning signs that a child might be coming down with this kind of severe case? Can it happen quite quickly? Yes, children can become unwell quite quickly. But again, parents shouldn't panic because all of the signs that would normally make a parent feel concerned about their child are the same for this. So if a parent is particularly concerned that a child has a high fever that isn't settling as would be expected, if they have severe muscle pains or if they have the spreading redness, which we'd call a cellulitis on the skin, again, should be seen by a healthcare professional. And then alluding to these problems that we're seeing with children with um, particular types of chest infection, these are children that will have a cough, perhaps some breathlessness or difficulty breathing in association with a fever. Again, they should be seen promptly by a medical professional. But just to reiterate, the majority of children will have either a viral infection, won't have group A strep at all, or they might just have a mild infection. But what we want to make sure is that we are picking up these children with more severe disease. Now, I wanted to ask about the role of COVID-19 and lockdowns in all of this, because I know that one of the theories about what's behind this particular outbreak of strep A is because there are a lot of respiratory viruses going around at the moment as we've all got back to normal life and children do tend to get strep A after having another virus. But is it also possible that children are more vulnerable to strep A at the moment because they haven't encountered it before? It's a little bit of a complicated picture. So it's not fully known why we're seeing these spikes in group A strep at the moment. However, there is more in the way of respiratory viruses going around, and that probably is to do with um, lockdowns. So during COVID, all the preventions to prevent COVID being transmitted from person to person also stopped other respiratory viruses being spread from person to person. So overall, um, young children who weren't exposed to those viruses won't have built up immunity to those viruses. And now they're being exposed, they have less in the way of protective immunity and so are more likely to get these respiratory viruses. So I think COVID perhaps plays um, some role in terms of a lack of immunity to the respiratory viruses, but I think it's less clear that that's directly related to group A strep infections. Chrissy, is there anything that parents and caregivers can do if they're concerned about their children getting strep A? Yes, so good hand hygiene, good respiratory hygiene are really important for stopping the spread of many infections, including group A strep. So all of these things that we've put in place during COVID, so washing our hands well with soap, making sure we're using a tissue to catch coughs and sneezes and keeping away from others when we're feeling unwell should help reduce the risk of spreading this within communities. So parents shouldn't be unduly concerned. There are the run of the mill normal coughs and colds going around at the moment. So a parent who would normally be reassured that their child is well and just has a cough and a cold are very, very likely to be right. So as Chrissy says, this time of the year, most infections are probably going to be viruses. But there are some warning signs to look out for. But why is it that young children are more susceptible to strep A? 
And how does this bacteria evade the immune system to become a severe invasive infection? To find out, I spoke to Professor Shirani Sriskandan, a professor of infectious disease at Imperial College London, who researches Group A Streptococcus. Children catch most infections as they grow up. I mean, when we're born, we, we're born with, you know, some sort of immunity from our mothers, which we kind of lose when we're about one year old. And then the thing about group A strep is it particularly likes the tonsils, which get kind of bigger and bigger as we kind of get to the age of about four. And what we think happens is that children, when they start mingling with others around about that age, which is kind of the age we begin to see most strep A infections, group A strep seems to cause their very first infections round about that age group. And then we, they kind of carry on getting strep A infections in the throat or on the skin and gradually seem to build up immunity so that by the time you're kind of 18, 19, most people have stopped getting recurrent strep sore throats and they've built up enough immunity. And certainly as you know, as a as an older adult, you know, you really wouldn't expect normally to have a strep throat. So are there lots of different strains of group A streptococcus? Huh. Well, there's many different answers to that. <laughs> but there's one protein that everybody kind of focuses on called the M protein, which is a, a sort of curly protein that sticks out from the surface of the bacterium. And we know that there are probably over 200 different genetic types of that protein. So that gives you an idea. But I mean, it doesn't mean you've got to be immune to all 200 to be immune. You know, we only have a sort of some leading M types, if you like, that cause infection, for example, in England. And, you know, getting immunity to the leading types is probably the immune system's aim. Let's say I somehow ingest, take in a strep A bacterium. How exactly does that go on to cause an infection? It needs to um, obviously be inhaled in a droplet and it might land on your tonsils. And if you, for example, have immunity to it, it might not be able to stick to your tonsils. If you don't have immunity to block that interaction, it might well stick. And then it might start to replicate because obviously, you know, it's a relatively warm environment, bacteria like growing in at 37 degrees. And again, then your immune system will be triggered into recognizing the bacterium. Now, normally our immune system at this point will kind of send in the troops with kind of white blood cells called neutrophils, which can gobble up the bacteria. But group A strep, makes a number of proteases or enzymes that destroy our chemical messengers, which means that it's set up to repel the immune system pretty early on. We also obviously have certain antibodies, hopefully, that might coat the bacterium in antibody if it recognises it, and that will help the neutrophils if they get there to kill the bacterium. But without antibody and without those neutrophils, we can't actually get rid of the bacterium. And uh, if it starts making toxins that trigger T-cell proliferation and, and production of lots of inflammatory chemicals called cytokines, we believe that that's what triggers this kind of reaction of scarlet fever. So in the case that the immune system doesn't quite get to grips with the infection or perhaps antibiotics aren't taken, how would this infection then progress? A child with scarlet fever who is not treated can often remain infectious and with the organism, the bacterium in their throat for, poor, you know, two to three to four weeks even. And we know that they are infectious during that period. But often the worst period of infection, if you're right, sort of fever and so on, does go away. It's very unusual for immunity to completely fail in that setting. I think perhaps what you're referring to is what happens if it becomes 
um, invasive, for example. And what happens there is the organism suddenly is faced by a sort of deeper part of the body where the immune cells are seriously cross at um, something being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the bacterium is particularly adept at switching its behavior or the scientific word would be its phenotype. And that is why this organism is quite so dangerous. It really does switch on everything in its power to stop our immune system from getting to grips with it. So strep A is usually an unpleasant infection that the immune system does have a lot of ways to tackle, but it can become invasive and severe, which is sadly what we've seen in some of these cases in the UK. But it can also trigger an autoimmune response afterwards, and this is a real problem in developing countries in particular. So it would be great if we could prevent infections entirely. Is there a possibility of a vaccine? Well, there is, certainly. I mean, I think the fact that we believe children eventually become immune means that it is possible for people to be immune to it. And um, one of the problems that's happened is over the years, interest in creating a vaccine waned in the sort of late 1960s. And there's a history to this in that group A strep was definitely something that people were trying to vaccinate against and prevent scarlet fever at the turn of the last century. There were plenty of attempts to do that. And it, you know, it wasn't entirely unsuccessful. But because one of the reasons to vaccinate the world against group A strep would be to prevent these really unpleasant autoimmune conditions that can follow repeated strep infections in children, there has been a great fear that if we vaccinate with a component of the bacterium, that we might actually trigger one of these autoimmune conditions. And there's one particular inflammatory condition called rheumatic fever, where the heart valves get inflamed and joints get inflamed. So there has been a worry that if we try and make a vaccine, we could could cause more problems than we prevent. I think that fear has really receded in the last 20 years, I'm pleased to say. And WHO has, has, you know, prioritised group A strep as a target for a vaccine and provided, you know, a roadmap to encourage people to develop vaccines. And uh, we are looking at seeing a vaccine being evaluated now in the next five years. And if this does work and there is a vaccine that manages to stop strep A infections or prevent them becoming severe, how significant would this be? It would be huge. I mean, the heart condition I mentioned, the autoimmune condition, is responsible for almost half a million deaths per year worldwide. Um, So it's a significant burden. And, you know, we forget about that. But in the developing world, it's a major problem. You know, you have 20 year olds with severe heart failure as a result of this. So I do think there's a real hope that if we could vaccinate against strep throat, we would, you know, in the developing world, we'd, we'd reduce this burden of rheumatic heart disease. But also in the developed world, we'd also reduce this burden of scarlet fever and invasive infections. Thanks again to Professors Shirani Sriskandan and Chrissy Jones. We've put links to our coverage about strep A, including a really useful explainer on symptoms and treatments by our health editor, Andrew Gregory, on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by me, Madeleine Finley, with sound design by Tony Onochuku, and the executive producer was Georgia Moody.
This is The Guardian.